0: A show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Meara.
1: And I'm Bria Grant, actress filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about our favorite books about families. But first, what are you reading, Bria? So, the next few weeks, I'm reading books that you've already read for the most part. Um, but I'm gonna give them a second shout-out, because they're 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 good books. I just finished the Girl with the Louding Voice by... Oh, I love that book. By Abby Derry. By Abby Derry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that book so much. Yeah. Well, okay. So just to give people a heads up, I mean, there, this book... First of all, it has one of the highest ratings I've ever seen on uh, Goodreads, which is wild. Oh, wow. It almost has a five-star rating.
0: (laughs) That's Um, incredible. I
1: know. It's really wild. Um, Maybe—I think it's like 4.5, but still, like, very high, especially because the books I read tend to not have that high of ratings because they're, like, some (laughs) weird sci-fi book about, like, you know, a cat in space, and so people are like, what? Um, (laughs) But this book—wow. Okay. I started reading it, and I was like, this is going to be really depressing, Because it is about a child bride. Well, look
0: what the book's about. You're like, this is not a happy book. And it's not. But I feel like the main character's spirit and her voice are so strong. And you were rooting for her so much. By the end of the book, you're like, I would stab somebody for this character. You
1: would. You would. And I mean, I think the title is so... I mean, she says this title within the book uh, sometimes. But... um, uh it, the title is very a good description of the book because it is about this girl with a louding voice which is like she can she speaks up for herself she's able to um get through this life that she has been born into and um with the help of others but also just in being like a a smart young teenager um but it's great it's set in Nigeria um it is you know, it, it has both a look at uh, being uh, married off really early and also being sold into like slavery, uh, like a type of slavery, which is like a, um, being an unpaid um, servant in a household. Um, and, and, and and so it covers a lot of really good things. But yeah, there's a reason this book has such high ratings. It is uh, really well written. You won't want to put it down because you're really invested in her. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this. Uh, uh, what are you reading, Mallory?
0: I am reading a book that I finally got from the library. I've been waiting for a while. Um, It was one of my most anticipated books of the year. Uh, It is a crime thriller called Winter Counts by David Heska Wombly Whedon. And it is, I just started it. um, But it is one of those books that like fucking hits the ground running. And from go, like I've only read a couple of chapters, but I will say like, there's a lot of trigger warnings for this book. Like, The main character. This book is is about um, this this man, and he is not a, a law enforcement official. He's an enforcer. He lives on the this the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota, and because of the like ridiculous. Awful gap between uh, the federal government's, uh, like the way that they come in and, and handle crimes, and like what the tribal police are allowed to do. A lot of things fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Like if some if something happens bad ha- 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 happens to somebody, you're probably not going to get any help for it. So his job is to dispense vigilante justice like i don't know if somebody hurts your kid and the tribal police won't do anything about it you call this guy up and he meets them behind the bar and beats the shit out of you or beats the shit out of whoever you want um and the book opens with that so it is like you know it's a lot. It's really intense, but it's, like, it's a really well-written crime thriller so far. And from what I know, basically, he finds out that somebody's bringing, like, hard drugs onto the reservation. And he starts investigating himself and kind of falls into this, like, world of crime and vigilante justice. And um, it's a lot of fun so far. So if you're looking for a new voice in crime fiction or you're looking for, like, something thrillery to read, that is Winter Counts. Cool. And mine is The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abby Duray. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Gabby wrote in uh, with some feedback. Uh, Quick warning. Uh, So Gabby said, I heard you mention supporting Borderland Books, and I had to reach out to see if you knew about the owner. Uh, also, I'm not sure if you're talking about the one in San Francisco, but I've been to an event in support of Borderlands books in the past, uh, but I won't again after seeing an email from Publishers Marketplace saying, uh, that a group of over 40 sponsors of San Francisco's Borderlands books, along with a number of supporters and former staff wrote an open letter to the store, staff, ownership, and community, uh, uh asking that the owner, Alan Beats, be held accountable for assault, assault allegations, um, Apple Books, Dog-Eared Books, and Books Incorporated in San Francisco are independent bookstores that are not owned by Trash Babies as far as I know. Oh, yikes. Uh, I think this was in response to our virtual book events episode where we were talking about Borderlands Books had been doing some events. Mm. Um, So just something for folks to know. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know about that.
1: The wonderful folks at the
0: Narberth Bookshop in Pennsylvania
1: wrote in with an amazing photo. Every year around Halloween, we do spooky books sections. And this year we paired, we featured a pair of books you might be familiar with. And it was mine and Mallory's book.
0: Yeah, I, I freaked out. This was so adorable. So it was a photo of like a spooky book section, but on the top shelf in the center was Lady from the Black Lagoon and Mary side by side. And I was so like, cute. oh, that's so cool. It's that so is amazing. <laughs> It totally made our day. So thank you. If you're in Pennsylvania, go check out Narberth Bookshop. Uh, and, and then you know you'll be able to find some book friends there because there'll be some glassers. mm mm-hmm. uh, And then Phoebe wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is economical, confident prose, mm. 20th century LGBT authors, hostile, gross, ugly, or otherwise unlikable women characters, Fiction with a strong sense of real-world place and time, midlife crises, and millennial despair. And do- my doghouse can be summed up with the words heartwarming and girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love that Phoebe spans both a
1: midlife crisis and millennial despair. Phoebe, I'm just going to say maybe you you think just like a person having some sort of like age-related crisis because I feel like maybe you would also like a late-in-life crisis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give me those age-related crises. Um, and also, quick before I forget, I wanted to throw in a bookmark because somebody after I had looked into it, some a couple of people had asked about it. When we uh, when we did our book nostalgia episode um, and talked about the Scholastic Book Fair. After we did the episode, I reached out to Scholastic to try to see what they were doing uh, in, in terms of of books that were available for disabled kids. If there mm-hmm. were audiobooks available, if there were other if there were books available for visually disabled kids. Um, And uh, then we had a couple people who listened to the show write in and ask that same question. And I was like, don't worry, I've already looked into it. And I just wanted to report to folks, uh, I didn't forget, I just have been given the runaround by Scholastic Books. Uh, I have had a couple email exchanges I still haven't heard back. Uh, So if you know anyone who works at Scholastic Books that can answer this question for us, please let us know. If Scholastic Books provides accessible books for disabled kids, we want to talk about it. So let us know. Yeah, and other bookmark, uh, we're
1: closing in on the end of the year, y'all. Just to let you know, we're going to be taking off the last two weeks of the year because our episodes would fall on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, and we just don't feel like anyone would be listening to podcasts on those dates. But we're releasing so much bonus content. We're releasing several uh, bonus recommendation episodes. We are doing um, a crossover episode. With, a- With our
0: friends over so at the Professional Book Nerds, Adam and Jill, um, our, favorite, our, our favorite podcast, uh, our next page to screen book club is going to be a Christmas Carol. We're going to all read a Christmas Carol and then we're going to watch them up at Christmas Carol, if that's okay. I, I just sort of
1: yeah, decided obviously that that's weird. the best Christmas Carol version.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we're going to do a live event, which will be open to everyone. We haven't picked a date yet because we're recording this in November. But we'll be announcing and talking about that. Uh, But then we're going to release the episode for it on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So don't worry. You won't be spending Christmas without reading glasses. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: And um, it also means, though, we're doing the reading glasses challenge episode, talking about the end of the year episode a little bit earlier. So we're doing that uh, in mid-December. So if you want us to see your reading glasses challenge and be entered into the drawing to get a free Chipotle gift card. um, Which is really the only important thing in life. Then you got to send those to us. uh it would be best if you could send them to us by the first week of december so we can make sure you're entered into that um you know you want that free guac you gotta get that free guac it's free guac y'all um and (laughs) we'll be talking about our best books of the year very soon and we'll be talking about um the reading glasses challenge for next year so um get excited about that we're excited to spend first part of december talking to everybody
0: yeah uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes we're, December will be the, our last newsletter of 2020 you can sign up right now in November to get it it's wild that this is our last newsletter of the whole fucking year it's crazy mm. um, but yeah get extra book recommendations from me and Brad. uh so before we talk about family books we're going to take a quick break Hey, Bria.
1: Hey, Mallory. What's your favorite thing in the entire world? Oh, man. I think you and all of the listeners know that the answer to that (laughs) is chocolate. I will say, this is not an exaggeration. (laughs) I eat about a half a bar of chocolate every day.
0: Well, then it's very good that this week, Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by Fortunato Chocolate. Wow. Fortunato Chocolate is
1: amazing. Uh, We got some samples in the mail. We were very excited. I think this chocolate is delicious. And by the way, it can keep up with my chocolate habit because these bars are huge.
0: Yes, they were absolutely delicious. I'm not even a huge chocolate person in the, one of the bars that we got was gone within 24 hours.
1: Yeah, it's so delicious. Um, so to tell you a little bit about them, since 2008, Fortunato Number 4 chocolate has been prized by top chocolatiers and pastry chefs in Michelin-starred restaurants, which I believe and because it's And now
0: podcast delicious. hosts. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's cool about it is it's made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru. So this chocolate is traveled when you can't. It's very nice. And it can never, it, it's never been available to the general public until right now.
1: Yeah. Yo, this is a great holiday gift. Um, the bars are really cool. It is gorgeous. And they can, people can learn more about the uh, growing chocolates from a single origin through this bar. It, this would be a great thing to buy for someone who is a chocolate lover in your family. Fortunato number 4 is made by a family company that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families earn more.
0: So Fortunato Chocolate is available in 36% milk, dark milk and 68% dark and it's sold in 1.1 pound bars with minimal packaging that keeps it affordable which is awesome we love that we had the 36% milk and the 68% dark and they were incredible yeah 68% dark is so good
1: this is one of my new favorite chocolates y'all I you know I wouldn't hawk a crappy chocolate I would only (laughs) try to tell you about good chocolates because I know you know the difference So if you want to get in on this chocolate, you visit podcastchocolate.com, podcastchocolate.com, just making sure you know it, slash glasses. Podcastchocolate.com slash glasses. Go check it out.
0: Maybe we should rename our podcast to Podcast Chocolate. That's a good idea. Podcastchocolate.com slash glasses.
1: The name of our new show.
0: (laughs) Hi. Are you someone who thinks that when one door closes, another one opens? Someone who always sees the light at the end of the tunnel. If you answered yes to one or both of these questions, good for you. We are not those people. Nope, I'm Annabelle Gurwitch and I'm a, you know that other door opening? It probably leads to a broom closet kind of person. And I'm Laura House. When I see a light at the end of a tunnel, I assume it's a train headed right toward me. Laura and I have created a brand new podcast for people like us. It's called Tiny Victories. We're sharing personal tiny victories or things we've read or seen that inspire resilience. So if you're looking for a tiny reason to get out of bed each week, subscribe to Tiny Victories. Available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get tiny! This week, it's Thanksgiving. Truly one of the holidays with the worst origins in our country. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great week to buy some books from a Native American author, um, but people still celebrate it. Even if it's not to celebrate a fake, shitty story about America, it's an excuse to get together with your family. And this year, that is obviously extra tough and since many of us hopefully most of us can't and won't be eating a big dinner with our family this year thanks to the nightmare plague world we're living in we're going to recommend some of our favorite books about families
1: i just want to say it's an excuse to get together with your family but it's also an excuse to cook really an extravagant and eat an extravagant amount of food which i am for i was literally on a call literally, I was on a call with one of my friends and she went through the things that she was going to make this year and there was no less than like 10 pies on there because she was like, I just love pies and this is a good excuse for me. I have the days off work. I'm going to make like 10 pies. And I was like, wow, that is very impressive. Um, I ordered, just to give people a sense of what my life is, I ordered (laughs) a pie cake-in. Familiar? Oh wow. It goes cake, pie, no, Cake pie pie covered in icing, and then you um, uh, put caramel sauce on top of it. And I ordered it because I'm not going to make that shed because it seems entirely too hard. And uh, I think she sold out or else I would tell people, but it's from the Karma Baker here in Los Angeles. But anyway, very excited about that.
0: That sounds amazing. That's yeah, me. we. I'm going to be cooking this year for the first time Thanksgiving. Okay. What uh, I didn't know you could uh, serve tuna out of a can for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just put some gravy on it. <laughs> no. I got uh I got myself a vegan loaf that I'm gonna make. Nice, uh, we yeah. got vegan stuffing. Uh I made a app my, my my boyfriend's father has like a special apple pie recipe that he really likes, and I made it for him for his birthday this year and I didn't set anything on fire. <laughs> so yeah. I went we're gonna try again uh for, for Thanksgiving. We're gonna make a pie, make a bunch of Brussels sprouts. I've been making a lot of like vegan Brussels sprout cashew mac and cheese. Nice, yeah. So we're just gonna at, at this point like we're not even really thinking about like what are traditional Thanksgiving foods. It's just like let's make a bunch of food and eat it yeah. together. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, so what is your first family book pick? Bri? Okay, not we're not doing food. Uh, next year we should do food <laughs> though. Um, so oh my god, Bria, that's a really good idea.
1: Okay. Yes, we'll do it next year. Everyone, there's been a whole chain on the Reading Glasses slack about um, ma- uh, uh, magical realism food books, and I'm planning on spending the rest of my year after uh, <laughs> in December just reading those, so I will be ready. Okay, um, my first pick is one you're. I feel like you already knew I was going to pick it. It's The Future Home of a Living God by Louise Erdick. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um Trigger warnings. I feel like we gotta do trigger warnings now for apocalypses because for- <laughs> <laughs> every time I read an apocalypse book, I'm like too real, too real. <laughs> um this one is about a future in which women start giving birth to something that's essentially like primitive versions of humans. Um I read this and really loved this, uh, and it would have been on one of my best books of the year, oh, but was I, like, yeah I rem- didn't read it in the I book. remember it came out- you in the reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, the author is, um, a native American woman. It is centers around a native American woman who was adopted and is pregnant. And this is obviously a very rough time for women to be pregnant. Um, and she goes to seek out her birth mother who lives on a reservation. So it's a woman on a journey in an apocalypse <laughs> looking for her family. I feel like this checks a lot of boxes for people, um, I, it, it, it is, it, and it is about family. It's about the adopted family. It is about her, her birth mother and her birth family and also about her becoming a mother and also sort of the found family that she finds along the way. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I love this book. Um, what is your first family pick, Mallory?
0: Uh, my first pick is a book that came, came out this year. This is a 2020 release. I managed to get it in the year it came out, um, i uh I was very surprised by this one. It's called the Yield by Tara June Winch uh, and she is an indigenous author from Australia uh and this book is so 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 beautiful uh it really delves into the complicated world of a family and their their generational trauma and their struggle with identity and it's it's if you are a a person who loves multiple timelines this is the book for you so there's three time three timelines one the main character she's this woman she's returning to her home in australia after the death of her grandfather and she's, like, in her 20s, doesn't know what the fuck she's doing with her life, is, like, very frustrated with things. Um, and the other storyline is her her grandfather, when he was alive, and his quest to make a dictionary of all the words of his uh, native language. Um, and three is the story of this white priest from before her grandfather was alive, trying to establish a mission to help the native population of this, like, small Australian town. Mm. Uh, and he despite his best intentions things are not going well Mm -hmm. uh it's just really breathtaking because like the three generations um it's one of those books that by the end of it you're like oh my god this thing that this character was talking about connects with this thing over this other character was talking about, Oh my gosh. And it really delves into like, she comes home and she's talking to all her family and they're all dealing with, because one of the, one of the central parts of the story is that their native homeland is being sold to a mine and they can't do anything about it because Mm -hmm. they don't have enough, um, enough to warrant like a national heritage site. Um, and so the main character, the, the daughter decides to try to fix that with her grandfather, trying to find her grandfather's dictionary. But it's interesting to see, her like have her hanging out with her, her whole family and the way that they're all connecting to each other and dealing with their generational trauma in like totally different ways and also like making a lot of food. So it's a it's a really, it's a dense book, but it's really, really, really good. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, a, is it a honker? This sounds like a big honker. It's a honker. Yeah, it it's not a cool. w- a hu- like it's not a wicked honker, but it's just very dense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah what's your next pick?
1: I'm also going to recommend a 2020 book. It's a book I just finished. I just started reading it, and I'm going to just recommend it because it's so good. I-, I talked about it on the episode, but it's Transcendent Kingdom by Yeah Jesse. Um, also, you can read Homegoing, which is which is another book about family. But um, Transcendent Kingdom came out this year. I already talked about it, so I'll make it. This brief, but it's beautiful. It is about a Ghanaian family living in Alabama. Um, At the point you meet them in the book, the only members left of the family are the mother and the daughter, and it's told from the daughter's point of view. Um, She is in uh, she's in graduate school and uh, doing a bunch of science stuff. Is how her dealing with her mother's depression. And their complicated relationship after um, her father went back to Ghana and her brother dies of a heroin o- overdose. So a lot of uh, trigger warnings in this one. It's very intense. But it's very beautiful. And it actually like, I mean, it, it does deal with like the complications of family and the complications of being an immigrant family uh, in a place that is maybe not so welcoming to you Um and made uh, It's Not the Life that You Thought You Were Going to End Up Living. Um, but it is such a beautiful book. Also, you could, should go back and definitely read her other book, which is Homecoming, and um, uh, which is another book about generation upon generations of, um, of families coming from Africa, two different families, uh, but both very family related. I feel like that's like that must be in her wheelhouse—is like families, family stuff. <laughs> it's complicated family shit because she's like working through it in every one of every one of her books, and not in a negative, not an entirely negative way. It's like you understand why the mother is dealing with all of you know the mother has mental health issues that she's never been able to address but also like she's dealt with a lot of shit in her life and so it's like it's a very interesting good look that doesn't demonize any of the characters which i really appreciate um what's your next book uh
0: so warnings for my next book uh a lot of (laughs) should we just give this (laughs) warning at the beginning every all of these books will
1: fuck you up (laughs)
0: I, I feel like any book about family is gonna like really fuck you up, but this I have a book positive of all the, one. I have a positive. One. <laughs> uh, this book of all of my book, all of my picks this episode is the one that will destroy you the most. Content warnings for sexual assault. This book fucking destroyed me. Um, the ending of this book fucking destroyed me. Uh, it's extremely upsetting. Um, Please read the content warnings for this book before you read it. That being said, I would die for Karen Russell. It's Swamplandia by Karen Russell. I love this book, book, even though it gutted me. Uh, It is a very Mallory book. It is a Florida book about a family of alligator wrestlers who run an alligator-themed amusement park. It is super fucking weird and very funny, and every member of the family is like extremely quirky. And I just I love it so much. I truly would stab somebody for Karen Russell. Uh, Is So it's all about this big, weird family, and they're all dealing with the death of the mother who's passed away from cancer. Uh, And there's various other, like, problems and tragedies that are, um, you know, assailing this family and how they're all dealing with it, mostly separately, but sometimes together. And you were just, like, you feel for this family so much. You Mm. love them so much. They're so fucking weird. Like, I just love it. Did
1: you see that movie, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? Do you remember this movie from the 80s, 90s? Um, if people know what movie I'm talking about, this is not the same, but there is a similar theme in like the 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 amusement park aspect that reminded me of that in this movie because in Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken it's this woman who like has to jump off a really high platform on this horse and that's like the people come to see that and then they do a similar thing in this where it's like, but it's with gators basically. Oh, that Which sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a, I don't remember I don't know you if you know the movie like holds I know up. I love a
0: circus or an amusement park.
1: I don't know if the movie holds up. But you should try to watch it. Maybe it's good. I have no idea.
0: Anyway. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, I as as tough as this book is, I truly, truly love it. Uh, Bria, what is your next pick? And it has a lot of weather in the book too
1: in Swamplandia, which is kind of fun. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of like very uh, – well, I mean there's a lot of weather in Florida. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Florida's like uh, – the weather is like a secondary character if you get a book about Florida.
1: <laughs> I picked a weird one for my next pick because what if your family involved a chimpanzee? <laughs> I wish. I say that in such a like, whoa, isn't that funny way? But this is a dark fucking book. Uh, It's called (laughs) We Are All Completely um, Beside Ourselves by Karen Joy Fowler. Um, What's confusing about this book, I think I've talked about it on the show before, is that you don't know that one of the characters is a monkey, but then it says it on the outside of the book. So I don't know if I spoiled it for you. I didn't know going in and the book blew my mind because halfway through I was like, Wait, one of the siblings is a chimpanzee? Like, I was totally confused. But well, this is perfect. Just don't tell them which sibling. Yeah, that's yeah, maybe because uh, it's about a family who raises a chimpanzee alongside their human child, um, and it's basically an experiment to see what happens if you get them at the same age and they're raised like as siblings. And it's very sad, and it shows the complications of having a wild animal in the human home. It's not easy. Uh, I'm sure
0: you can imagine the things. I, that happen. I would kind of love having a chimpanzee to like. Oh, pet sailor in lula though that would be, be very so cute to me. it would be so cute um but it's a really great story and the central character
1: is the child being raised and so that's why it's confusing because she doesn't think of the the um monkey as not being a sibling she thinks that it, of the monkey is being part of the family um but yeah i haven't read it in a couple years but i remember being blown away by it definitely a different kind of family structure uh what's your next one
0: uh my next pick is a book that would have been on my favorite of the year but i did not manage to read it in the book that it came out i thought it was a 2020 release it is not i missed it somehow it, last year is it not because no, i it's s- a 2019 book
1: oh fuck it is on my list to read before the end of the year because i thought it was gonna... Ugh,
0: yeah i was so crushed because it, yeah, it came out last year and um oh i don't know it was on a you top know? book of the year thing i'm looking hold on let me, let me look because i i've seen it Hold on. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. But it's weird because it got reviewed in NPR for 2020. But, and then it says best book. Oh yeah, it says best book of 2019. Yeah. I'm just going to say this is a 2019 read. Yeah. But. Regardless of what year, folks should read it. I loved it. It's probably going to be one of my favorite books of the year that, like, wasn't published this year. Um, it's Empire of Wild by Sherry D. Maline, uh who is another Native author, but she's a Native Canadian author. And this book takes place in, in Ontario with a uh, Native community there. Uh, I talked about this book on the show when I was reading it, and I finished it, and I loved it. Another Extremely Mallory book. It's a werewolf book. Um but this woman and her husband di- has, has disappeared. He's been gone for almost a year and she's just completely fucking crushed um, until one day she sees, she goes to, she's like wicked hungover and she goes to Walmart to get a snack and she sees like a parking lot sermon happening, like one of those like tent revival things. And the The preacher is her husband. Yeah. But he oh, doesn't remember her at all, has no idea who she is. And she goes on this journey to try to, and she knows like something weird and supernatural is happening. And she goes on this like journey to try to, to try to rescue him, figure out what's going on with him. Um, but my favorite characters in the whole book though, are her family. They're a huge part of the book and they're very supportive of her. And they're very ridiculous. They're very funny. Um, one of the my, – my favorite parts of the book were her, like, trying to get help from her family because her family is very split. Like, the new generation is, like, doesn't want to uh, engage with the native traditions, and they just, like – they're not interested in that part of of their life, and the, while the elders are like, "You guys are fucking stupid," mm. like this is <laughs> this is real. This stuff is really important, and as this supernatural problem sort of comes to a head, it becomes more and more obvious that uh, the elders are correct, mm. <laughs> and they need help from them. Um, but her family is just absolutely wonderful. She, her cousin, her like she has this young cousin that she has to take care of, and he's extremely funny. Uh, the book is dark. All I think every single fucking book on this list for us is going to be dark, uh, but it's just wonderful. The ending is very abrupt and weird but after and I saw some folks in the reading glasses slack who were like oh the ending is kind of strange but and I felt the same way but after I digested it a little bit I was like I love this I really (laughs) love this (laughs) um definitely gonna be one of my favorite books uh that wasn't released in 2020 that I read this year uh what is your last pick my last pick is not
1: as dark it's dark in that it's like sci-fi and stuff but um it's middle game by Shauna McGuire it's got fantasy sci-fi and my favorite thing twins uh One one <laughs> is good with numbers. One is good with words. They were created, yes. They were created, but they are still a family. And even when separated, they eventually always find their way back together. Because once they're together, they can actually become gods. So it's like this sci- wow. fantasy, science fiction, family thing about losing your family but coming back to them. And, um... It's not. I mean, it. I mean, there are some dark moments with their families for sure, but um, it is about this central brother sister relationship that is um, super great, and I really love it. Um, uh, I, this is like this was one of my favorite books last year. It was on my top twenty last top, top books of last year, top of twenty nineteen. Um, and it's great if you're looking for a sci fi book with family um, that is you know especially like sibling things. I feel like sibling things are
0: actually kind of harder to find. This is a really great one. Yeah. Um, what is your last pick? Uh, my last book actually also is not as dark. It is extremely fucking funny. Uh, oh, and yeah. It is a nonfiction book. Uh, that It is Life Among the Savages by the queen of my world, Shirley Jackson. Um, Shirley Jackson obviously is most well known for her horror fiction, but she also has these two amazing memoirs that she wrote about her family. She used to write this like column uh, for magazines and newspapers just like about f- – funny stories about her family life and it's just a bunch of connected stories about her family and her kids and her marriage and then uh her and her husband raising all these kids in their giant house in vermont it is so fucking funny it is laugh out loud funny it's just like these stories of like the ridiculous things her kids say and her trying to herd her giant herd of kids around and get them all ready for school and like it is – it's just – it's, like, the perfect book that will, one, keep you sane because it's just, like, really engrossing and wonderful. But it might make – if you miss, like, the chaos of being around your big family and you miss, like, the absolute anarchy bonkersness that comes with, like, trying to put together a family event and get everybody there and get everybody ready mm-hmm. and get all the food made, this is the perfect book for you to read. It just captures that perfectly in, like, Shirley Jackson's genius way. It is – and there's another one uh, called – uh raising demons is the other one, but life among the savages is my favorite of the two, and it is absolutely wonderful. Um so you can send your thoughts on family books to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we answer a recommendation request we're gonna take a quick break. Reading glasses is sponsored in part this week by our friends over at Kitty Poo Club. It's Kitty Pooh Club it's fantastic. It is a game changer for both me and Bria. We absolutely love it. We all know we're all stuck at home, especially now. We're all crammed in in the holidays. And while working from home, it's nice because I get to spend more time with Sailor and Lula. And I'm I'm with them 24 hours a day. It also means I'm with their litter box 24 hours a day, which I do not love. Mallory, just this, this morning
1: I was telling uh, my boyfriend, we were talking about our cat and how weird it is that we let cats live with us when they are a different species and we're in charge of feeding them and and picking up their feces and yet <laughs> here we are and we just keep doing it and we love it every every time um not that part but every time we adopt and adopt a new cat but kitty poo club makes this so much better it makes the part that you don't like about having a cat a million times better
0: Yeah, so every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, and most importantly, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes are leak-proof, which I can attest to because both Sailor and Lula used it, two cats in one, which – they really put it to the test, but it did not leak at all. I had it over the carpet in my living room. It's eco-friendly. And what the, the cutest part is there's a fun design for every season. In November of this month, you'll get, be getting like more of a holiday season one. It's so adorable. And then when the month is up, you just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club automatically delivers a brand new one to you. So you don't have to change used litter. You don't have to scrub down that gross box.
1: Yeah, it's great, especially great for this time of year where it's kind of cold. I mean, it's not really that cold in L.A., but some people listening, are. are it's cold where they are. Uh, and you don't have to go outside and clean the box and do all of the changing of the used litter. You can just throw it right away. Throw it away, recycle it, and start over. It's great. It's it's literally, every time we're sponsored by Kitty Poo, I'm like, this is the best idea ever. It is such a genius plan for just disrupting that that cat litter box system. <laughs>
0: And I will say, so Sailor and Lula immediately used the box. They really, they like, they weren't like hesitant about it at all. And we picked the the soy litter and I was super, super, super impressed with the odor control. Again, Jeremy and I live in a one bedroom apartment. So it's two people, two cats, and it's not, you know, if something's stinky, it's going to stink up our entire home. And we had the Kitty Poo Club litter box in the living room and you could not smell it. Oh, wow. At all. That even with two, two cats using it. Um... And even, like, it is, I was so impressed. It was awesome.
1: So right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto
0: ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code GLASSES. So just go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code GLASSES to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's right. You don't even have to remember to buy a kitty litter anymore. They'll just send it to you. It's amazing. So that's kittypooclub.com. Don't forget to enter the code GLASSES at checkout. Glasses. Glasses. Hey, friends. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have some really great news to share with you. This year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. If you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the MaxFun community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. Is there a recommendation request uh, from Kelsey. Kelsey writes in, "Hey, y'all, do you want to read this? Because it's a y'all one." Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I feel like anytime there is a uh, somebody who writes in with who comes from the South and says y'all, it has to be read by Bria. <laughs> Hey,
1: y'all. It's uh, the week before the election, and I'm struggling with a feeling of hopeless, sad— f- I'm struggling feeling kind of hopeless, sad, and angry about the state of the world. Do you have any book recs that make you feel hopeful about the world? non is primarily what I'm looking for, but fic is good, too, especially if you have any book recs that can help me not feel like we've been permanently ruined— like we've permanently ruined the planet. Uh, hashtag eco-hope. Um, here is her—do you want to read her— um,
0: Yes, so Kelsey likes books told via documents like text emails and IMs, strong sense of setting, poetry about nature and social justice, werewolves and vampires, hell yes, angsty teen romance, is there a terrible miscommunication somewhere causing someone horrible emotional turmoil, sign me up. Why a demographic or coming-of-age story elements. I'm 28 years old and still feel like I'm coming-of-age. Love all the tips I can get. Women wielding swords in battle, books about people who love books, and female friendship, especially groups of female friends or sisters. Uh, Bria, what should Kelsey read? First of all, so many things to explore
1: here. Um, but none of them were nonfiction. So I, I our wheelhouse doesn't have any nonfiction um, except maybe – strong sense of setting i i don't know i actually didn't read this book but i wanted to suggest it you read it mallory that book text me when i you're... loved
0: this book
1: yeah text me when you're home by kayleen schaefer involves female friendships nonfiction, and texts am i correct or not correct
0: yes this actually i Bria, i recommend this to you for like a good thing for like you and all your friends from college to read mm-hmm. together at the same time me and lauren my best friend read it and it was just super fun
1: Yeah, so I think that could be a good one. But I also see Mallory did not recommend We Ride Upon Sticks, which feels like (laughs) female friendships. You got not swords, but sticks. Coming of age. (laughs) And a pretty strong sense of setting. And I know it's been a favorite of a lot of the people uh, of this show, um...
0: And yeah, I think, I'm trying to remember, I feel like Kelsey might be one of the people in the reading glasses like, who has ah. read We Write Upon Six. So we, text me when you get home. Is, I'm definitely co-signing on that one. Okay, what what is the other one that you you think? Mine is, so far, my favorite nonfiction book of the entire year. Uh, and It is Why Fish Don't Exist oh, by yeah. Lula Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so this book is about nature. It's about social justice and coming of age. Uh, don't read what it's about. I have recommended it to a few people so far um, and I keep telling people go in cold and they text me back and like um, my friend Sarah Gailey they were like they're they're asking for book recommendations and I was like read why fish don't exist don't read anything about it just read it and about a week later they texted me and they're like oh my god thank you so much for telling me to go in cold this is one of my favorite books of the year <laughs> It's It's nonfiction, and it's, like, part biography of this dead scientist uh, who was a trash baby uh, and part memoir of the author, and it really – by the end of the book, it, like, it makes you feel hopeful for the world again. Hmm. It is uh, – the, the author is a queer author, and it just makes you feel, like – it, it just gives you a ray of sunshine and it is it's so it 's very funny it 's very interesting it 's very engaging i listened listen to the audiobook uh, and I just loved it It made me really feel it, it one of the things that I loved about it was this examination of why there are so many people in our culture who are so stubbornly clinging to these traditions and these thoughts, even though they 're so clearly out of date and so clearly not working for anybody, but why they stubbornly cling to them so much and how it affects people and what your life can be like without them. It just, uh, I love it so much. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Shasha asks, I just started reading reading again after more than a decade and love, love, love your podcast. Any tips on how to get back into reading without getting a little overwhelmed with all the awesome, awesome options? With work, I think I can only manage one to two books a month, which is still really fucking good. That's a lot, yeah. That's a lot of books to read a year. Um, and there's so many recommendations. Uh, Bria, what should Shasha do? First of all, welcome back. Welcome back to reading. Welcome Yay. back! Welcome back! Welcome back! I feel like when people start reading again, like me and Bria, like pop out of your closet and like all these balloons and like confetti comes out. We're like, yeah! Every time you start back. reading, B- Bria again, Bria and Mallory get their wings. We get, but they're made of books. The wings are made of books. <laughs> Just pages. Oh, I really want fan art of us having book page lines. Somebody make that. Somebody make that happen.
1: Um, I think Mallory may give you the opposite advice. May give you opposite advice here. So take this with what you will. But um. I say if you're reading one to two books a year, let's say that you'll read maybe a month, that means you'll read maybe 15, 20 books a year, right? I would go, I I would pick up books you're interested in, obviously. Don't read something that you're not interested in. But but books that maybe people are saying, like one of the best books of the year, um, people around you are reading. Find one that maybe is going to be made into a movie or a TV show because then you can be the person that says... (laughs) I read the book, which makes you feel good. like 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 you've really like fulfilled your role as a reader in this world. You know,
0: you can be. And our role as readers is
1: to brag. Is about to brag. Our re- uh, No, but I mean, because you're coming back to it, I think it gives you something to talk about with people who maybe aren't reading, or um, you know, you can talk to people who watched normal people, but you read the book. I didn't ever read the book. I didn't watch the show either. But um, like let's say you, <laughs> but Sean did. Sean did. Uh, but you could you could talk to people and be like, oh, I read the book. Is it like this or? or whatever. Um and I think if you do one of your two books a month of something people are talking about uh, I'm not saying all of your books have to be this, but like look at the top books of the year or the top books that people are looking forward to or like the Oprah Book Club pick or like these books that you know people are gonna be talking about. I think you'll feel more enmeshed in the bookish world um and be able to talk about it outside of it. So I'm not saying a hundred percent of your books, but let's say you do read two books a month or something. Like make, you know, like make five books a year like something that you think is something you can chat with other people about because I think it will really help you to get out there as a reader. Um what do you suggest for Shasha?
0: I I actually, I, I think our advice is going to work depending on what type of person Shasha is. Okay. Like... Depending yeah. on if they're like like uh, Rubin's and Rubin's four tendencies, like are you an upholder? Like are you? Uh, I forget the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> a rebel. Uh, like, a rebel. It it yeah. truly depends on what kind of person you are because I to- I actually completely co-sign with your advice. I think if you're the kind of person that likes being beholden to a schedule or a list or a book club or something, if like some external force helps you keep on track with things, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you are on the other side of things, uh, I think that Shasha should just follow your heart. Uh, There's definitely so many great books coming out all the time. There are just like hundreds and hundreds of great books coming out all the time. And I think my, my best advice is if you are someone who has a hard time keeping to a, adhering to a schedule or some sort of external motivator, uh, read what you really, really want to read. Don't worry about the most buzzy. Um, don't worry about what you think you should read. Just the one that feels right, you know, and dump it if you don't feel like it. Cast aside any kind of book guilt or obligation you might feel. I mean obviously this is always good at vice vice for people uh, but if you've only got a little reading time, make it count and i i I struggle with this sometimes um <laughs> right now, I am reading the Bible for reading glasses. <laughs> Next year, we're going to be releasing the Great Mallory Reads the Bible episode, <laughs> and I'm um, sure it's not a big spoiler for folks that I am not enjoying. It. <laughs> I'm having a hard time reading the Bible. It's not an engrossing. It's not a. It's not a page turner for Read sure. Your um,
1: Bible. <laughs> oh my god!
0: It's uh, sh- shout out to my best friend Lauren, who has been the real MVP. She, Lauren made me a t- hand typed up a Bible guide for me. <laughs> She's wow. incredible.
1: You know it's funny there is like this uh sorry to go on a tangent shasha <laughs> uh but uh there is this like I feel like there was there's like an era of American history where it was like I'm a good girl, I read my Bible every day. I uh, you know like and that's you right now. You're like a it's, quintessential it's, it's, it's- you're good marrying,
0: good woman for marrying. You read your Bible I every day. You're going to make so a Thanksgiving funny to dinner. I know. <laughs> who me are and Jeremy you? cannot stop laughing because I'm just like, he comes home and I'll be reading the Bible and he's like, who are you? <laughs> it's just, it's super weird. But I will say when I have something that I feel obligated to read and if I'm not into it, like if I sit, I've been watching a lot more TV lately because I'll sit down and I'll have like a little free time and I'm like, oh, I should read. Oh, but I really don't want to read the Bible. I guess I'll just like watch a documentary or <laughs> something. Like I just I have a hard time with it. Um, so if reading feels like a chore, get a new book. Obviously, I'm I have to read this Bible right now, so I can't to cast it aside. But find something that makes you excited to read. If buying a book makes you feel obligated, and this is something that we we see a lot with folks, start getting books from the library. The more I got books from the library, the better I got about like putting them down if I didn't like them because I didn't invest. There was no sunk cost fallacy. Right. You know, I think it'll also will help narrow down your options if you're having a hard time choosing if you put books on hold from the library whatever book you get from the library that's the one you're gonna read yeah that's true Uh, that's always really really helpful but i think you know sometimes if you're sitting there and you're like oh well this is the book i should read right now but i just like i'm totally not feeling this mystery i really wish that i could be reading a romance book right now just follow your heart and read that don't worry about it i feel like the flip side um you know, book obligation is such a double-edged sword because it can be so helpful for some people, but it can also like really hinder some folks' reading. Sure. Uh, so if you're that kind of person and you're, it's it's driving you nuts and it feels like, you know, we have all had that 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 moment where there's a book that we feel like we have to read and we it we spend like a month or two on it because we just like can't get through it. Yeah. Dump that book. Yeah, for sure. Read what you want. Yeah. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica, who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a great holiday present for us. It makes us feel good about ourselves. It helps us get more at ad- ad- advertisers. I'm sure you've noticed that we've been getting really, really cool ads for the show lately. Yeah. People look at how many reviews we have. It is like the cheapest, easiest, quickest, nicest thing you can do for us that is like it it really, really makes a a concrete, huge difference for us. Just go to iTunes, go to Apple Podcasts. It'll take you less than a minute you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading,
1: reading.